Welcome to Come and Reason with Christian psychiatrist and author Dr. Tim Jennings. Together we will reason through complex issues to find evidence-based answers that harmonize scripture, science, and our life experiences. I'm your Come and Reason host, Charles Mills. Hate is a nasty business. It's the polar opposite of what God calls us to do. So how does the human mind become so estranged from God's original design for it? And are there things we can do to counter a trend that has been part of humanity since the fall of Adam and Eve? Dr. Jennings is with us via Skype. Let me put the question to you, sir. What do you consider to be the roots of racism in our hearts? That's a great question, Charles. And I think at, at the very simplest, at least straightforward, racism is rooted in fear and selfishness. Mm. Bottom line, when we love other people, and we're not afraid, we don't act in any type of discriminatory way, regardless of the type of discrimination. We seek the best for others when we actually love the other person. Mm -hmm. So racism is always going to be rooted in a lack of love, and that's driven by fear and a desire to advance self. So fear and self-centeredness is always going to be the roots. Fear and self-centeredness. I go right back to Eden, Dr. Jennings. What is the first thing that Adam and Eve felt after they disobeyed? Tell us. That is exactly right. They ran and hid because they were afraid. Yes. And this is a experience caused by the fall. And that's why God's solution, perfect love, casts out all fear. And as we come to love God and experience his love in our lives and have love for others, then the fear and the need to devalue other people to make ourselves feel better or more secure, mm -hmm. which is a root of all forms of discrimination, including racism, this goes away because we would rather sacrifice self to bless the other person rather than exploit the other person to advance ourselves. From a psychological standpoint, you're a psychiatrist and you're a medical doctor and you've studied into this. What is it about someone who looks different from us, someone who has a different skin color from us, someone who speaks a different language that seems to almost automatically in the sinful heart generate racism? Because we live in fear because of the fall and we have this survival drive, this need to protect self, uh, one of the mechanisms to make us feel safe, to take our fear down, is to join a collective, to be part of a group, to be part of a gang, to be part of a church, to be part of a nation, to be part of a tribe. To be, In other words, if we have a group, we're not alone, we're not isolated, it makes us feel safer, it makes us feel more secure. And people join groups or identify with those that are similar to them. And so we join groups and identify with people with similar belief systems or similar national identities or similar skin colors. And so what happens is that uh, when we see people that are different from us, if we don't have great maturity of character where we actually have overcome our fears and insecurities through the indwelling spirit of love and truth, and if we haven't come to that place where we love others, then we can see them as threats. It's scary. They're not part of our group. They might hurt us. And so we develop these mechanisms where we devalue them or see them as threats that we need to control so that we can maintain our group identity and our power. Let me ask you to speculate something here, Dr. Jennings. This is pure speculation because we have no way of proving it, I don't think. Here in this country, we have a white majority and a, uh, a black minority. And we, as the white majority, tend to be very racist, a lot of us, uh, against the, the black minority. If those two were switched, if we had a black majority and a white minority, would the black 
community become racist against whites? I think that your question is flawed in its premise because it seems like you're associating racism with whoever is in the majority. And that's that's a flawed premise. Racism has nothing to do with majorities or minorities. The exploitation of people having the power to do something about your racist views may have something to do with majorities and minorities. But being racist has nothing to do with majority or minority. Being racist is, and what is racism? Racism is basically discrimination or looking down, differentiating in negative ways, people based on their race, on their skin color oftentimes. That type of differentiation and bias and prejudice has nothing to do with who's in the majority. Making decisions based on race that advantages other people and disadvantages other people is racism. And so people in the minority can make racist decisions and make policies that are not based on merit or character or ability uh, simply based on race. Those are racist policies. You know, Martin Luther King Jr. famously said that he had a dream that his four little children would one day live in a nation Mm -hmm. where they would not be judged by the color of their skin, racism, but by the content of their character, Mm non-racism. And uh, the problem is that in our society today, that ideal, that vision of Martin Luther King Jr. has been lost. And there's very little people that are making policy are promoting principles that advance character qualities or abilities. And oftentimes decisions are being made simply based on race, on both sides of the equation. There are, uh, as you identified, people, Caucasian people or white people who are racist and and are hate-filled. There are many that are not, but there's some that are. And there are people from the minority, the black community, who advance policies that are simply based on race and have nothing to do with the quality of character or the abilities they have. And so, These types of practices at their root are racist in their practice, even though they might be intended to be reparative or restorative. The basis for the decision is not character, quality or ability. It's race. So when a white supremacist says the white race is the predominant race and the black people are wrong and that person is not telling the truth. That person is simply saying to the world, I'm a racist. So let's be very clear. All racism is contrary to God's ideal. God created one human race in yes. Adam and Eve. Yes. And all the other, whether it's Asian or or African or Caucasian, all these other what we call races are simply descendants of the one human race. Mm. And all human beings suffer from the same sin condition. And all human beings need the same solution of Jesus Christ. So this division vision along racial lines is always an evidence of Satan's principles of fear and self-centeredness taking root and dividing humanity rather than the principles of God coming into the heart to unite humanity. And if you read the principles of Christianity, that one day when God has his way and Christ is reproduced in the heart, we all become united under one head, Jesus Christ. We're not divided. So all these divisions, even when when they are put in practice, 
practice for the purpose of so-called reparations, those types of divisions that are not based on quality of character but are based on race are actually divisive, and they end up with more division in society, more racial hatred, and it fuels the problem. You know, Jesus said that Satan cannot drive out Satan. The reason for that is it would be like saying you can't get rid of wetness with water. That's true. You can't get rid of racism by using policies that are race-based. You can't do it. It is racial discrimination to make race-based policies by definition. And thus, those policies with good intention to repair damage of wrongs of the past are actually perpetuating the problem and causing more hostility and division. Wow. Very good. Dr. Tim Jennings is with us today. We're talking about racism and the social justice movement. Okay, Dr. Jennings, you've seen little movies and clips on YouTube and whatnot of little black children and little white children playing together, and they hug each other, and they run, and they greet each other. It's not there. It's, it's not there. How does it get there? How does a white child begin to hate a black child, and how does a black child begin to fear and have self-centeredness against white? So what you just described is an environment in which these two individuals grow up together, yes. and so they are they are identified with each other. They're part of the same group. They're not part of a competitive or outside group, mm. and so those two children will grow up without that inherent sense of racism unless something happens that instills it in them later in life. Mm. But when you grow up in a group that is not integrated group and a group in which – and this is not just an American thing. There are cultures around the world in India where they have the caste system, yes, for instance, yes, yes. they have racism. In America, prior to uh, colonization by the Europeans, there were tribes, and the tribes would have security amongst themselves, would be antagonistic to people of other tribes, and they would war against those people of other tribes. So you, you might call that tribalism yeah. rather than racism, but, but those other tribes are seen as threats, and so they would war against them. So the root of racism is fear and selfishness, where we see other people outside of our collective or outside of our group as a threat to us that we need to control, dominate, or extinguish. And that was whether it's tribalism, racism, nationalism, all of these divisions are really rooted in fear and selfishness. If someone comes to you and says, you know, I have feelings of fear and selfishness when it comes to those who are not like me, whether that's a skin color or a nation or whatnot, how do you help that, we're talking adults here, how do you help that adult start the process of losing that fear and losing that selfishness? If it's a global experience for themselves and they don't have any love in their life, it's going to be very difficult. Mm -hmm. The solution to fear and self-centeredness is actual love. Love, when neurobiologically we activate the brain's love circuits, it turns off the fear circuits. So the first step is to identify relationships in their life experience where they've been loved and to use those as templates to build bridges where if they were wanting to overcome, say, prejudices against another group, whether it's a tribe, a nation, or another race, then they would need to reach out and make relationships with people, get to know them. And as they get to know them, and hopefully they will get to know people who are of mature character and who are worthy of trust. And as that trust is built, then love grows and their fear and selfishness is diminished. However, sometimes we can experience people who mug us or take advantage of us or lie to us or, or, or exploit us. And that would then inflame fear and a need to protect self. So it really does depend on the quality of the experience of the relationship and the relational aspects that diminish fear and selfishness are love and trust. One of the 
prescriptions then, I hear you saying, is to check your friends, check who you hang out with to make sure that you are dealing with the proper templates? Yes, I would, I would ultimately tell people that the ultimate solution is to come to know Jesus Christ mm-hmm. as he revealed himself and is revealed in Scripture, the true Jesus Christ, and have a love-trust relationship with him. That relationship will never let you down and will provide a, a divine source of peace for your internal operations and give you an ability then to be a source of love and trust in the face of those who might even hate you still. But without that uh, indwelling presence of God's love, then the next element would be experiencing a love and trust in your human relationships. So Christ then is the ultimate template, I hear you saying. That is true. That is absolutely true. Very good. Well, in the last minute we have here, give us some encouragement. There may be some listening right now and said, man, I'm, I'm really suffering with this. I really have these feelings. What can they start doing today to help reverse that trend in their lives? I would recommend they identify the the negative emotions and their source. And if they've been wrong, sometimes we've been wrong, then we need to forgive those who've wronged us because holding on harboring negative emotions, hatred, anger does not hurt the other party. It hurts us. It cheats us of peace and well-being and causes us to become more hard-hearted and we hurt those in our lives. So irrespective of what's happened to you, move in that pathway that brings peace and healing. If your anger and hostilities then are not based on your own personal experiences of having been wrong, then you might find that there's things you've been taught that are untrue. And I would encourage you to challenge those ideas with evidences to demonstrate that all human beings have equal moral worth as children of God. One of the big fallacies I will close with and say is that because we have equal moral worth, people believe that we all have equal abilities. And that leads to a lot of conflict when you try to force people to all have the same function when we don't have the same abilities. We have equal moral worth, but we have different abilities and we should embrace those differences and utilize the best and allow people to grow in the strengths that they have and not force everybody to try and fulfill the same outcomes in the same spheres of life. Mm. Comeandreason.com is the website. Thank you so much for your words of wisdom today. Always enjoy working with you, Charles. And until next time, this is Charles Mills along with Dr. Tim Jennings wishing you God's presence in your life. Goodbye, everyone. Thank you for spending time with us today. To continue the journey, I urge you to visit comeandreason.com. Here you'll find many excellent resources to help you gain a deeper understanding of the God we all love and serve. That's at comeandreason.com. This is Charles Mills, along with Dr. Tim Jennings, inviting you to join us the next time we come and reason together. Come and reason.